0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You can probably open your Bibles over to Matthew uh, chapter 13. We may get there in a couple of minutes. God's been doing some good stuff already this morning, hasn't he? So yeah, I'd, I thought we were continuing in our talk about um, the power of revelation and, and learning to receive revelation from the Lord, and we'll probably get back to that uh, in the future. But the Lord woke me up at, it was, it was four or before, I don't know, I looked at the clock quite a while later and it was 4.30, so sometime early. And at first, uh, I was just hearing him say that we need to honor the gifts in, in the body and the people around us, honor the gifts, honor the gifts. But then, and, and so I thought, well, that's cool. And I was thinking about that, but then scripture started coming and pretty soon I realized I better get up and start writing down some things because obviously this is where we're going today. And so I want to, if you're looking for a title, if you're taking notes, I hope you are today, then I, I, I think a good title for this would be Priorities in Honor, Priorities in Honor okay and when when we think about there's there's a huge message in the scripture about honor and and by that I mean not um not honor as a noun but honor as a verb honor giving honor, and what happens when we give honor and what happens when we withhold honor uh and and there's a message all through Old testament and new testament you can you can look back to um the prophet coming uh, to a woman's house. And because she received that prophet and fed that prophet, blessing came on her house. She had a son. I mean, there, there there are many, 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 many examples of this. And Jesus talked about it specifically. And that's what we'll be looking at. We all get to choose in our lives who we honor and when we honor people. And we get to choose to dishonor, which, which we might think of dishonor in a real strong sense of really dishonoring somebody, but if we just neglect to honor what God's doing in somebody, that's the same thing. We, we disassociate ourselves from this whole idea of honoring somebody. And let me, let me tell you what that means. To honor someone, it means to treat someone with re- the respect that's due to their position or rank. Okay, the respect that's due to their position or rank. Uh, an example of that we're told in the scripture that we are to pray for our leaders, right? Whether we agree with them or not. Maybe even more so when we don't. We are to pray for them. And that's that's one way that we give honor. We're recognizing their position. And in recognizing their position, we may strongly disagree with the person that currently holds the office, but it it doesn't say that we're only supposed to pray for the ones that we agree with. It says we are supposed to pray for our leaders okay? so that we can have peace. And so that in a condition of peace, the gospel can go forward. So there are reasons for it. We are to, we are to, we are to pray for those people because they hold a position or rank. And so that's just one example. It's, so to treat someone with respect due to their position or rank, to give special regard to someone, to give special regard. And obviously, I guess I should back up. Obviously, the very first person we are supposed to honor is God, right? We have terms like uh, the fear of the Lord, right? The Bible says a lot about the fear of the Lord. It says it's the beginning of wisdom. If we want to receive God's wisdom The way we open that door is to have this attitude in our heart that's called the fear of the Lord. Well, that is an attitude of honoring God, revering God. We're recognizing his position. We're recognizing what he has. And the scripture is very clear that when we take that heart attitude toward God, something pours out to us. And one of the things that pours out to us is his wisdom and and so it says it's the very beginning. It says it's the beginning of knowledge, which would be the idea of, of God's knowledge or truth, reality, spiritual reality, that's what truth is, Or and also the beginning of wisdom, which is the application of truth. We can get all that from God as we honor him, as we fear him, as we revere him. Does that make sense to you? So it's uh, to give special regard to, especially to the words, gifts, or skills of a person. It's what honor is. We give special regard to them, and this can run the. I want to talk about the spiritual end of this today. But you know, we honor someone when we simply recognize that you're really, you're really good at this. You're really good at writing. You're really good at laying bricks. You're really good at fixing bicycles. You're really good. You have a talent. You have a skill. We look to that. You're, you're great at building buildings. You know We recognize it's a part of honor is to recognize skills that people have. And that would be a natural part of this. But we're not natural people. We're spiritual people. We are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. And the Lord has designed the body so that each member has a role and he has equipped each member with, with gifts. And they run, they run this huge gamut. They run this from, from gifts that serve people and let me, let me just say this about gifts because <clears throat> when, we, when we look at the body of Christ, we look at one another, the scripture is very clear and we may get to this verse later, I don't know. Uh, but Paul talked about the fact that we, just, we no longer regard one another. This is, this is a verse for believers and this is something we've got to take hold of. We no longer regard one another after the flesh. In other words, I don't just look at your, your age, your gender, your appearance, what you do for a living, whether I especially like your personality or not. I know we all love each other's personalities. We're the body of Christ. We don't ever argue. We don't ever fuss. We don't ever fight, right? Yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, whether I like that or not, whether I like what I'm involved in in the flesh, I am told in the scripture that as a spiritual person, and I mean that in a Christian sense, all these terms get co-opted by the world, and then they start to lose their meaning. Spiritual can mean you like trees these days, okay? But you know what I'm talking about, a person filled with the Holy Spirit, a person who's walking with God, a person who wants to be involved in the kingdom. As, as we do that, we, we look at one another, and we make the determination, I will regard that person, I will look to that person, Lord, show me what divine implant have you put in their heart? What have you given them? And we see it all around us. If you, if you get together with the body of Christ, you see it all around you. You see people who are gifted all the way, you know, from, uh, from the more practical, uh, it's all practical. You know, you, could, you can be gifted in teaching. You can be gifted in prophecy. You can be gifted in those types of things. You can be gifted in serving, to where your heart is to serve and love people. You can be gifted in mercy and compassion. We all are supposed to have mercy and compassion, but there are people who that's their whole heart. That's where God works in them. That's who they are in Christ, is a person who they they recognize people's needs and they want to meet them, whether they're emotional needs or physical needs. There are all these different kinds of gifts in the body. There are All kinds of gifts in the body of Christ. And we are to honor those gifts. Again, we receive from the Lord wisdom or knowledge or different things when we set our hearts to honor the Lord. Well, the same thing works one to another. When we set our hearts to honor the gifting in that person, even if we don't get along that well, Okay, even if we have totally different backgrounds, What I find a lot of times, I don't know if I should say these things publicly. What I find a lot of times is it's just, I I may not have anything in common with another believer. Um, My brother has a girlfriend that, uh, I guess we have my brother in common. But she's a really sweet, nice person. She's a wonderful person. Uh, but, But her thing is quilting. And she goes to quilting retreats. She goes to quilting parties. And some of you may be quilters, okay? That's all good. I can't imagine being interested in quilting, you know? And yet she makes these beautiful things. And I get it. I see it. She's real good at all this stuff. She's she's an artist, you know? But we have, in that sense, our interests are totally different. But because I've tried to train myself... I see the gifts in her. I value, I should say more than see. I, I value who she is and what she has. And I mean I could you know, you know what I'm saying. We meet people when we when we're in the body of Christ, where we don't have necessarily we don't have to have anything in common. We have Jesus in common. We're family. We don't have to have all the same attitudes. We might even boy, I don't want to get off too far in this. We might even really rub each other wrong when we're together. But if God has put us together, I'm not talking about really mean people here. I'm just talking about This is, I believe this is part of the maturing process, the pruning process that God has given us in the body of Christ as he sets us beside people that are very different from us. And it took me quite a while to learn this. He sets us beside people that are very different from us and we can function together. We have very different gifts, but those gifts are compatible. They work together. We have Jesus in common. We've chosen to love each other. And honestly, I, I heard uh, I guess it was probably Bill Johnson say this a couple of weeks ago, and I've been thinking about it ever since. He said, stop trying to remove the people from your life. I can't remember the rest of it, but basically it was that stop trying to remove the people that rub you the wrong way because that's part of the maturity. Oh no, it was, it was stop trying to remove the people that expose your weakness. See, he always has a way better way to say it than I do. And and how do they expose our weakness? Because we get irritated. Because we get frustrated when we're trying to work with them. And we get frustrated about it. That's not exposing something wrong in them. It's exposing something wrong in me. And then I can take that to the Lord and grow a little bit. Does that make sense to you? So the point is, we need to, if we want to receive from what God has put in people, we need to honor what God has put in people. Whatever their gifting might be, we need to honor it. We need to do this intentionally. All right? I haven't even gotten through the I told Nanette, well, I told Karen first, I said, I hardly have anything. So we're probably going to get done really fast. She laughed out loud at me. I told Nanette, tell the children's church teachers. This is probably going to be really short. Yeah. haven't gotten through the definition yet. So to, to give special regard, especially to people's words, skills, or gifts, This is great, to yield oneself on purpose to the influence or guidance of another, especially one of higher rank or position. That's what it means to honor. Yield yourself to the influence or guidance of another, especially uh, of one of higher rank or position, okay? So the, the scripture teaches us that when we give honor, we open our lives, and I'll give you scriptures on this in a second, to the divine influence that's working in somebody else's life. When we give honor to the gifts in them, again, doesn't mean you have to agree with them 100%. You don't even have to like them very much, okay? You give honor to what God is doing that person. I think this is a huge part of the body of Christ. I think this is a huge part of being a believer, all right? We honor a person based not on what we see in the flesh, but what we perceive in the spirit. You say, how am I, you know, how am I supposed to do that? Well, sometimes we see things in people that are clearly of grace. And by that, I mean, they may have a natural skill, but God floods that thing. And what comes through them, first of all, touches your heart and your spirit, not just your finances or whatever it is they're working with you on. There's something, you know, uh, somebody asked me one time, well, how, you know, how do I recognize gifts in people and the immediate picture that came into my mind of when was when mary came into elizabeth's house and john the baptist inside elizabeth still unborn leapt in her womb at knowing that the messiah had just come in also unborn into her house it's like that when 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 somebody's flowing in a divine gift your spirit responds to it your spirit reaches out and we need to go with that. We need to honor that person. And in that, we open this floodgate for us to draw on what the Lord is doing in and through that person. And when we dishonor a person, based on what we see in the flesh, we shut down a flow of what the Lord might be trying to do in the spirit through them for our lives. Does that make sense to you? So we want to be honoring people. So Matthew chapter 13 I uh, can go to verse 54, Matthew 13:54. Think about that, that the last statement I just made when we dishonor a person based on the flesh, we cut ourselves off from what God might be trying to release to us in the spirit. Matthew 13:54. This is Jesus and it says, coming into his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue. And they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? So they recognized, they saw the wisdom and they saw the miraculous powers. They asked, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother named Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? By the way, Jesus had or Mary had more children after Jesus. She wasn't an eternal virgin. Just saying. Uh, So, aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? She had a lot of kids. I get a kick out of that, sorry. Uh, Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Why did they take offense at him? Because they knew his brothers. They knew his little brothers and they were jerks. No, I'm not, they probably weren't. They knew him, they were knowing him after the flesh. That's what they were doing. They're saying, hey, this kid used to grub around in the street. This kid, you know, I know this kid. I know his brothers. I know his sisters. He's just a kid. And yet he comes, where's he getting all this? They took offense. They closed their hearts. They looked at him after the flesh. They looked at what they could see in the flesh. And they shut themselves off from what he could have given Uh, in the spirit. And here's how we know that. But Jesus said to them, only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. It wasn't because he got mad at them and he wouldn't do any miracles there. It was because their faith was shut down because they just looked at him after after the flesh. And the same thing happens when we look at one another that way. When we look at anybody who's coming. I set my heart when I'm in any service, including this one. If I'm sitting there, I'm the pastor, but if I'm sitting there and Annie's up here speaking or Boyd's up here speaking or anybody else is up here speaking, I set my heart to draw on the gift that's in them. I honor the gift that's in them. I honor the gift in the people who are, I I do this in prayer. I do this I think about this. I honor the gifts and the people who are teaching your children right now. I honor the gifts and people. I, I seek to put a draw on the gifts that are in them by honoring them so that the Spirit of God is, is an open door to just pour through them into my life. But you have to do it for your life. When the worship team is up here, I put a draw. I put... and. You know, we're all people. Some days are great musically and some days are okay musically and, you know, whatever. I don't know. I never pay any attention to all that. Karen will ask me, how did this go or that sound or whatever? And it's like, I don't know. I was focused on God and I draw on the gifts that are in all these people. I I put that pull. So I always have a great time in worship. I have a great time in worship in other places that we go because I put a draw. On those gifts. And, and in doing that, in honoring those gifts, we open this floodgate for the Lord to pour out to us. In this case, these people looked at Jesus in these terms, and so it just shut down their faith. And he, and Jesus wasn't able to do much in their midst because of that. He didn't just get mad at them and turn a cold shoulder to them. They closed it down by their attitude. Can you, can you see that? A prophet was, he was without honor. What is that in his hometown? That's familiarity. This is why it gets harder as we get to know each other. It does. Y'all look at me like, oh, I've never had this happen. (laughs) Yes, you have. We have a book out there called Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. And it's absolutely true. Everybody, when we first meet, we just have this wonderful little honeymoon time. We're the best people in the world. Then we get to know each other. And we're all human beings and we all have good days and bad days and, and we all have good and bad things going on in our lives. And unless we make the decision to keep viewing that other person, valuing that other person as a child of God, gifted by God, anointed by God, set in the body of Christ, my brother and sister, unless we make that decision, and, and then we start to know each other after the flesh. It's just human nature. So we can do better than that. We can choose to honor the gifts that are in other people. Go over to Matthew chapter 10 with me. Matthew chapter 10. Did you bring your Bibles or something? There are lots of ways uh, to look at the scripture now. Matthew chapter 10. And I say, because, well, number one, I don't have any slides today. But even so, you need to see this stuff in your own Bible. Matthew chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 34. We're going to read a fair amount here. This is, these are the verses that the Lord woke me up with. Wow, I'm running out of time already. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start back in verse 34. Then we're going to work our way down to some things because there are several things said here that are important. This whole passage, Jesus, I believe, is talking about honoring God and priorities in honoring the Lord. He says, do not suppose, verse 34, Matthew 10, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. Uh, The the Passion Translation there says something like to bring, you know, complete calm to the earth. All right, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn, and this is a quote from the Old Testament, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, doesn't seem like you need any help there. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Okay, so what's the deal? Jesus really doesn't like family. No, it's not the deal at all. It's a priority thing. It's, he's saying, I've come and, and I am, I need to be your Savior, your Lord. Your worship belongs to me. I, I, you give him your heart and he becomes the Lord of your life. So mom isn't the Lord of your life anymore. Dad isn't the Lord of your life anymore. Brothers and sisters aren't the Lord of your life. And I'm not talking about bossing you around. I'm talking about you making decisions in your life as to what you do and where you go and how you spend your time and how you build your life and recognizing that God's, influence on you and his desires and will for you supersedes that of your family. And it's supposed to be that way. Jesus loves family. God loves family. It was his idea. God works in family. But when we get our priorities out of whack, we make a mess of our family. That was never God's intention. And and one of the ways that we see this so often, I'll just say this especially to those of you who are married, The whole idea, God tells us four times, four times in scripture, for this reason, talking about marriage, for this reason, man will leave, leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. All right? Leave and cleave. What does that mean? I never get to see mom and dad again? No, it doesn't mean that at all. They used to all live together in the same little compound. Okay? It doesn't mean that at all, but in your heart... You make a change in your life. You reprioritize things in your life. God is first. My relationship with God is first. My relationship with my wife is second. Your relationship with your children is actually third. A lot of people put that before husband and wife. It's not. It's next. Your relationship with others is, is beyond those. Your work is beyond those. And when you get those things out of order, the reason we have these priorities is because it's it's a feeding of God's life into every aspect of our life. And where we set our honor is how God's life is fed into us. So when we honor him first, then his life feeds into me. And it enables me to love my wife the way I'm supposed to. And enables her to love me the way she's supposed to. Because I would not want her, I think there again, I think it was Bill Johnson. I heard somebody say a while back, that the one question he had for the person that wanted to marry his daughter is, do you love God more than you love her? That's what he wanted to know. Do you love God more than you love her? The guy's answer was yes, so they're married, okay? That was, you know, to me, that's just a great, that's the truth. We need to love God first. We need to honor God first. And we see so many times where people have tried to cleave to their wife and their family They've not left their parents. And their parents and their brothers and sisters are still running their world. And those marriages are really, really rough. They're really hard. It's a simple principle uh, to do. You just have to make the decision, leave and cleave. So that's so what Jesus is talking about here. He loves family, but he says, hey, I've come to be first, is essentially what he's saying. He says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. All right. And that's why he's saying, I haven't come to bring peace. Because he says, hey, I've come to to be Lord. And you making him Lord, inherently, you're going to have to set some lines and boundaries in your life. And sometimes family's not going to like it. And sometimes they love it. You know, hopefully they love it. But you honoring God is the best way for your family to figure out who he is. Okay? This doesn't have to be ugly. It's just, hey, I love God and I've got to follow God. And I've got to do, I'm doing what, you know, what the Lord would have me to do. And he says, he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. There's there's an idea there, you know, this taking up our cross We're taking up our cross and following him. The Passion Translation says, share, Jesus saying, share my cross. None of us are Messiah. We don't have the same call of God in our life, but, but the cross in this sense, take up your cross. There are several things signified by it. One is the will of God. The cross was the will of God for Jesus as Messiah. All right, so he was taking up the Father's will no matter what. Okay, so that's one thing. Second thing is, There is, when we're taking up our cross, we are moving in the will of God. And so there is this place of of God's pleasure in that. We experience God's pleasure in being obedient to him and living for him and walking with him. And that's all wonderful. The third one is the cross also symbolized man's rejection of Jesus Christ as Messiah. They didn't realize that in crucifying him, they were redeeming all of us. They didn't get that. To them, they were condemning him. And so there are all those things. In taking up your cross, it's a daily following his will. It's, there's great pleasure, God's pleasure, in taking up your cross. But also, in doing this priority and honoring him first, some people are going to not like that. Some people are going to reject you because of that. And you just have to decide who you're here to please. I mean, it's just you just have to decide who you're here to please. So all those things are there. Uh, Start in verse 40, Matthew 10, verse 40. It says, this is really important. He who receives you, receives me. Jesus talking to his disciples. He who, get it, who receives you, or if I choose to receive the gift in Wendy, I'm receiving Jesus who's flowing through Wendy. Got it? When I choose to honor the gift in somebody, I'm honoring the gift in them, but what I'm receiving is coming from Jesus who's pouring that through them. Does that make sense to you? Who receives you, receives me. He who receives me, receives the one who sent me, the Father. You see how this works? There's just this flow coming from the throne of God, through the Lord, through his people, to one another, the key to opening that floodgate into your life is honoring the gift that's in their lives. So that makes sense to you. You getting this? He receives me. Receives the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet, right? I see this gift in you, so I receive you as a prophet. I could think of you as Tim, who I've known for many years, but no. I'm seeing this prophetic gift on you, so I receive you as a prophet. Says the one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. In other words, I'll, I'll receive the prophecy that comes through that person. I will receive the grace that's on their life. Anyone who receives a righteous man, because he's a righteous man, this starts to include all of us, right? This is somebody's relationship with God. We receive each other because of that. We'll receive a righteous man's reward. We'll receive the grace that's on their life if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple. Okay, so this wasn't just a group of urchins that was running around near the disciples while he was teaching. He's he's calling his disciples young ones. And he's saying, anybody who gives to you because you're my disciple, that one, what does it say? Will surely not lose his reward. I tell you the truth, he certainly will not lose his reward. So the idea is even there, part of honoring somebody is we're giving something into their lives. We're giving our hearts, we're, giving our, our, we're receiving their influence, we're opening our lives to them. Sometimes we're giving to them financially, we're supporting them, we're, we're uh, helping them out somehow. But there's this aspect, I don't know, I, this is where if I had a week to meditate on this, I could come up with a better way to say it. But, you know, it's this opening of our lives to people and pouring out honor so that we receive what's on their life. All right? This term, receive me, when he, he says, he who receives me receives uh, the one behind me. Here's what it means, to receive him. It means deliberately and readily Uh, Take to yourself what is presented or offered by another, the gift in somebody. Deliberately and readily take to yourself what is presented or offered by another. Intentionally take to yourself the ministry or gifting of another person. You will open the faucet to God's grace through that gift when you do that. We want to have, you know, it's a cliche these days, but a culture of honor in this church. We want to honor one another. And I think for the most part we do. You know, we're all people, okay? But we want to honor one another. I I guess I I think what the Lord's trying to stir up in us today is for this to be more intentional. That we don't just come in here and think, eh, you know, be thinking about, Whatever you'd be thinking, you know, the football game. I don't know if there's a football game. Whatever, this afternoon, you know. But come in here and recognize, man, this is is holy ground, but not because it's a church building. It's holy ground because holy people are here. Brothers and sisters are here. People that God loves and has redeemed and anointed are here. And not one of them is perfect. This is what's so amazing. It amazes me. It'll amaze me till the day I die. It's like, I'll probably ask when I get there, why did you decide to do it this way? You know, I mean, for all, for to pour himself through imperfect vessels, it just shows how good he, you know, it just shows who he is better. If if he was pouring himself through perfect people, we could really get confused uh, by which was which. But now, it's real easy to tell when it's Jesus, right? Because uh, there aren't any perfect people here. So we we want to give our hearts. We want to give our attention. We want to give our money, our time. We want to give ourselves uh, to one another. So let me just um, give you a couple of reasons here. These are just reasons that we might dishonor people. Okay, here are just a couple. These are just a few, what are there, five here that are very common to us these days. We already talked about familiarity as we get to know one another better. Uh, sometimes we can forget to honor the gift that's in one another. And we saw that in scripture already. Age is a big one. And right now in our culture we're you know, there are people really seeking politically to divide us as a culture. And so, and some of us are going for that. So right now it's, you know, Older people look at younger people and criticize, which I guess we've always done that. And younger people look at older people and criticize. And we are all a family in this church. We're all a family. We've said this the whole time. We need all the ages. We need the gifts that are in all the ages. We all fellowship together. I think the whole idea of Uh, You know, for certain classes and different things like that, it's cool, it's fine. But I think the whole idea of gathering up only into age groups and separating ourselves or gender groups or whatever all the time is just wrong. We're supposed to be a family, okay? And we older people need the enthusiasm and the life and the new ideas that are in younger people and younger people need the wisdom that hopefully is in some of us and and all that. So if we honor each other, that's good. So familiarity, age, Gender, this is one of the biggest mistakes we've made in the body of Christ is we've taken a couple of statements that have been totally, actually some of the statements Paul made about women speaking in the church are some of the most difficult uh, passages to translate in the New Testament in the first place. And then secondly, we've taken that and and in tradition taken those couple of of, um, statements that he made into specific cultural situations and we've taken them and we've blanketed the church and said, oh no, women can't speak, can't teach, can't minister. They need to be silent in the church. And I don't have time to teach on it today. There are great books out there. Who Said Women Can't Teach by Charles Trombley is a great one. Chris Valatin has a good book. I can't remember the name of it. Annie could tell you uh, on, on all of this. Well researched, well researched books about what the New Testament actually says. This is just, this is all I need on that subject is Acts chapter two, beginning in verse 17. It says, in the last days, God says, this is what Peter said, he, they came out, they'd just been filled with the Holy Spirit. They came out and this is what Peter said. He said, uh, he quoted these verses. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So there's young and old and both genders right there. Uh, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And and so you take that as a foundation, and then you move into the fact that Paul had, when he gives his lists and he greets people that were leading and pastoring home churches, a bunch of those names are women's names. Anyway, I don't have time to teach on this today, but I'm telling you, if you're curious, if you're at all open and you've been taught this thing that women can't speak in the church, go get some books and read up on it, and you're going to discover that It's not at all what was going on. Anyway, so I've got to wrap this up. Familiarity, age, gender. And then in ourselves, pride will stop us from honoring somebody else. And offense will stop us from honoring somebody else. We get offended with them. We get mad at them. Start to look at them only after the flesh. All right. There's a lot more we could say about this, but I think that... uh, Let me just give you a couple more verses. Okay. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourself. So that's everybody. That's all believers right there. Okay, we'll, we'll stop. We'll stop. Sweet, 1059. See, I told you we we're going to be done early. Let's stand up and pray. Did you get anything out of this? I hope so. If you didn't, listen to it a couple more times. You'll get something. All right. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just, I thank you today as we get together. I pray this morning, Lord, that you would cause us to be an honoring people. Lord, that we clearly would honor you first in every aspect of our lives. And that in that, we would open the flood, Lord, of your grace, your blessing, your anointing, your life into our lives. And then, Lord, that just give us the eyes to look around ourselves and see past the flesh in one another and see your divine imprint on each person. Lord, your divine influence in the heart, your gifting and your grace rising up in the heart. Help us to call that forth out of one another instead of putting each other down. Help us, Lord, to call forth those wonderful graces that you have put in each person. Help us to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, Lord. We just ask it, Lord. Help us to get past our own flesh and past one another's flesh and be able to see you in one another. We just thank you for that. I just pray today and for anybody who would agree, Lord, that at Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries, there will be a culture of honor. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be dismissed. We're going to go have some snacks because we have people that work in the hospitality department. So if you like that, you might want to sign up. Uh, And then if, again, if you're uh, in the family tables thing or want to be, then let's meet back in here in about 10 or 15 minutes, okay? Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world will be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen.